What's going on, guys? Welcome to Born to Hustle Podcast. It's me again, Roham Karian, your host. I am here with Chad Wynn. He is a health insurance specialist. Um, how long would you say you being in the industry, buddy? Yeah, so thanks, Roham, for having me here on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And for me, yeah, being in the industry, I'm still relatively new and young. I started really at the beginning of 2023, fresh off of graduating St. Mary's with my MBA in data analytics. And you know, just been learning a lot and growing, you know, steadily. And, you know, I'm just really excited to, you know, be here and share, you know, my thoughts and my journey. That's badass, buddy. So question, you are the agency owner, right? Or do you work for an agency? So I'm directly contracted under a group called U.S. Health. And our office is kind of off of the 1604 area in that general vicinity, kind of near Top Golf, more or less. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I work directly for, you know, my book of business and, you know, trying to support, you know, America's self-employed and that kind of thing. Okay, that's awesome. Just wanted to double check that because, mm-hmm. man, I've been seeing you everywhere. You're very active on the on the industry. So I got to ask, what wanted you to start that hustle? Like, what got you into it? So I think it kind of just naturally fell into me. I've always been a person who works very hard and I've had a strong mindset because I played, have a background of, you know, college athletics. I played tennis at the Highest level, I was a Division One athlete, you know, in undergrad at AM Corpus Christi, and I was there for five years. And then due to COVID, and I guess, you know, thanks to COVID, I was able to go to St. Mary's and be one of the leaders and top players of their team for one full year while I got my master's. And that kind of developed into the, the mindset of always trying to work hard, be a leader, and then, you know, improve my skills every day, you know, and outworking everyone. And the way this opportunity of being a health insurance specialist fell into my lap, I was, was very unsure what I wanted to do fresh out of you know, graduating, going to the workforce, I really just had a strong, like a, a solid resume. It wasn't super strong, not a lot of internships and things like that, but was just soul searching and going on, you know, zip recruiter, different things like that and found the opportunity, went in for a career overview, went in for a second interview. And I really liked the people and the culture and then the mission of just trying to help people with health insurance and, you know, versus, you know, educate them and things like that versus trying to, you know, sell them something that, you know, they have no idea what it's about. And our goal is just to educate and then protect people as best as we can okay that's fair to say so you basically just stumble upon it right so exactly yeah, it, it wasn't, wasn't and and if that's what started the hustle i mean i'm pretty sure that i mean we know life is not easy right of course, so yeah. I, I i am curious like if you start the hustle just like that i mean what kind of challenges do you face like ever since you got into the industry yeah it's there are a lot of challenges especially for someone you know my age i'm only 25 and you know a lot of it is just being in my own head and having doubts about you know, am I in the right place? Am I in, you know, the right opportunity? Am I just doing this to support myself? Or is it just, you know, is it in the, am I in the right spot? And, you know, the challenges is that, you know, just trying to not doubt myself every day and just having that consistent activity every day and still doing the right things, even if it doesn't result into helping someone today, it'll help someone in those activities, you know, down the line. So it's just about trying to stay consistent with those things and not having those doubts. Okay. All right. What kind of doubts would you say? Um, is it like uh, one? Of those, is it like the what, what, what's the word I was looking to look for? What kind of doubts are you facing? Out of curiosity, doubts as in um, just I guess self doubt and then believing in myself if I can actually make this through because I know we have a lot of people similar my age. Not you know our office is very young, so and they have great success and I guess you know, comparing to others, which is, you know, unfair to myself sometimes, you know, everyone's on their own journey, but seeing, you know, someone else who's similar to my age has a good amount more success than I do. And then versus what I have, it's just, you know, trying to 
not compare and then doubt myself that oh I may not be doing as well as him or her. But you know, at the end of the day, I'm still doing the best that I personally can, and then that's all I can really ask of myself. Okay. Yeah, I think everybody can agree to you about that. Yeah, like self doubt. Honestly, it's 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 very common. I'm not gonna lie to you, but honest, in a way, it's more like a self defense kind of deal. Like you want to make sure that like okay, I'm going all out. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and and I'm pretty sure you went to some struggles. You went to those bad days and good days, or those days where it was really good, but at the end of the day, it was like, woof, that was a lot. Right. Exactly. You know? mm-hmm. And I, and I feel like self doubt is more like okay. Am I actually in the right track? Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, because you never know. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 specifically speaking, I had so many opportunities in my life, and I'm pretty sure you you did as well. And I I cannot remember there wasn't a single time where I'm like having a little bit of doubt. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So mm-hmm. since you have yourself doubt and and all of that, I mean, I mean, what kept you in it? I mean, what is, is it one of those good days? Is it the sale? Was it the money? I mean, so you know, I try not my. Whenever I look at it, I'm I'm always like focused on let's try to help someone versus sell someone. So I try to have that kind of servant mindset, and you know just trying to, you know, make sure people are properly covered, you know, with health insurance so they don't go bankrupt. And you know what kept me in it was honestly the support group and my team and my office. You know we have a lot of it's a very strong culture of you know love and support versus you know a big standard you know old school sales organization that was very cutthroat. You know the people around are very are very you know, open and honest about, you know, trying to help each other. And we're all very supportive of each other. And, you know, without them, I'm not sure if I would have made it, you know, thus far and continued, you know, where I am only, you know, nine months in. But I know if I stick with it, I keep doing the right activities, you know, fruitful things will happen in the future. Okay. So if that's the case, you say something about cutthroats and stuff like that. Is that some, are you all talking about, like, the sales in general? Or are you talking about, like, how the health industry can be? I'm just saying in a sense of maybe, you know, in, any organization, professional organization, maybe the health, maybe some different type of, you know, industry, you know, there's always people, if you're, you know, gunning for maybe your position or gunning for that promotion, and you, at the end of the day, you don't really know, do you, do they have your back, or are they just, you know, kind of fluffing around trying to be your friend, but then if their opportunity comes to grab, you know, something more, they'll, you know, they'll push you to the side, but I feel like, you know, from my experience and the people I'm around, we're all on the, the mission to get to the top together, you know, it's not, you know, only these people here, it's everyone all together. What we'll go, you know, and our goal is to just, you know, be the best that we can and then push each other to be, okay. you know, get to the top. Tell me tell me more. Okay. So if that's the case, now that I know everything, like, what is some key, indus- key things inside? What is a key insight about the industry that you would say that normally nobody would learn or understand or know unless they're actually in it? I would say there's a big misconception about health insurance and how it works and, you know, they're the way we operate. We operate on the private side of health insurance. So it's, you know, standard organizations. They have, you know, group plans or employer plans and other people. And there are also plans on the government side and through the marketplace or Obamacare. And the way we operate and the misconception about it is, you know, people think that, you know, just because you have health insurance, insurance is going to pay everything. You know, that's not the case a lot of the time. Insurance is going to cover a good amount of it, but people still have some out-of-pocket costs and things like that to new- to, so the insurance company, you know, can make money. If we just, you know, if the insurance company just collected premiums each month, they had to pay 100% of everything, then, you know, it's not a good, you know, business model. They're not going to make any money at the end of the day. So there are some ways, and our goal is just to educate people on how it works. So it'll save their skin, you know, for bigger costs like a cancer or a car wreck or, you know, those kinds of things. The insurance will cover the majority of, you know, your treatments and things like that, but you still have to put up some money on your end just to, you know, meet them, not in the middle, but let's just say like 20% of the way, and they cover the 80. 
Okay. I kind of, well, then again, I do have a life and health insurance license, so I kind of understand. And I know what you mean because the same thing with life is the same thing with IDI, mm -hmm. uh, individual disability insurance. Most of the time, people don't know what they have until they actually experience it. And right. once they're trying to actually use their insurance, that's when they actually know the technicalities. Exactly. That's mm -hmm. normally how it goes because I thought um, life insurance is, um, you get life insurance and that's it. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I worked, I, I started, started as an insurance agent mm -hmm. before I became a finance professional. I remember how they start showing me all these different concepts, like mortgage protection and this and this and that. And I was like, huh, like everything in life, nothing is just black and white. No, it's not really. There's just so many more concepts. And and, and I you do private insurance, right? So right. if that's the instance, um, what, do you do like the deductible kind of deal or what kind of deal are we talking about in regards to the, the plans? So the way we operate, since we are on the private side, we're – Ex we're exempt from the ACA and Obamacare because all of our plans are based on your health and not on your income. And the way we can control our plans is we we're able to fully customize how the plan is built depending on the client's situation and um, what they want as a plan. So we're able to kind of give our recommendation and build the plan from the ground up. Mm -hmm. So we do get to choose, you know, what deductibles they want on the plan, what coinsurance of their choice, and then also, you know, what different supplementals they want on the plan. So we have some catastrophic you know, critical illness, you know, supplements, you know, also with some income protector, things like that, and then dental vision, those basic things. Those are, you know, add-ons that they can have if they want, but if they don't want to have it, then they don't have to have it at all. Okay, that's that's fair to say. And, and uh, okay, now what's another key industry? Because I know a lot of people do not understand insurance. Most, most of the time, people don't understand the product unless you actually sell it. Mm -hmm. So, and they don't really understand the product unless they're actually, like, once they start using it. Right. Because even when it comes to the car business, I know people want to negotiate the car deal and this and that, the purse and second pen. But, like, if you think about the salesman side of you, he there's a whole different perspective. Yeah, you want to make sure you get the good deal. It's always, like, a two-sided thing, mm -hmm. you know? So uh, you talking about the health insurance. Let me ask you something because mm -hmm. I learned this recently from someone else, but I don't know if it's actually 100% true. And you may not even have anything to do with this, but don't you have to wait a couple of months before you can actually get paid or you have to have the fire, the plan in force for a couple months before you get paid or something like that? So it, the way our, I'm not familiar with how other, you know, health insurance organizations do their payout structure, but with ours, we have ways to kind of get paid and more on the front end pretty soon. They also have ways to, you know, get it as earned where it's kind of, you build up your kind of monthly, your monthly check for say your monthly salary, just because you have your book of business and it builds so it can grow up month to month. And there's also a way to get a thing we call advances to help with the, you know, the payout a bit more and then things like that. So it comes a bit quicker. So oh. it depends on, you know, how you want to organize it and you structure it yourself personally, you know, agent to agent. What if the person decides to cancel the plan uh, between the first six months? Yeah, that's, you know, completely fine. You know, our our plans, they're not contracts. You're not locked into anything like that. But, yeah, you know, if depending on how many months they make a payment, that's how many months you get, you know, of their our percentage or whatever it may be, and then that's perfectly fine. You know, they're open and able to do that, you know, as they feel so. So, it, you know, it does affect us, but at the end of the day, you know, it's their plan. They could choose, you know, if they want to keep or if they want to leave. Yeah, because I remember somebody told me something like that, that you, um, if, if they have six months and after the six months, you don't have to worry about it, but if it's before the six months, they could, like, what's called a reversal. Mm -hmm. And he says that's the, and that everybody's trying to take, like, compete against your rates and that's the hard thing about health insurance. So I was going to wonder if you're facing that problem. Um, you know, from time to time, there are some people that have, you know, canceled, you know, pretty early on. And at the end of the day, it's more, 
not that they don't want the plan, but it's more of just, you know, personal finance, you know, thing, you know, their own budget, things like that. You know, of course, you know, people want, you know, the best plan and the great plan that we offer out there. But at the end of the day, if they can't afford it, they can't afford it. And, you know, sometimes that's the harsh reality. You know, I've had that come into play with people similar to my age where, you know, they're just starting out, you know, getting into their careers and maybe they're not offered health insurance. And, you know, obviously the budget's tough and they're not making a lot of money right now. They have to focus on, you know, paying off the rent, their cars and stuff first. And health insurance is, you know, the last thing on their mind. So, you know, did I have run into that before, but I'm not trying to, it's, I'm not letting it affect my stride, you know. Well, I mean, of course. I mean, obviously, that's how it is in this profession. Like, right. you get people canceling you, you get people who don't even, they say they're going to pay, they're not going to pay, or they say they're right. going to get into it, they never do. And some of them will actually commit, and some people just do compliance. There's a difference between compliance and commitment. I don't know if you know that difference. Like, compliance, have you ever met somebody who's, following the the flow and you just can't understand why you didn't get the sale quote unquote right it, it's called because the per it's, it's it's basically you never got the person to begin with mm-hmm. right he was just being compliant i see yeah they're just going along with the flow they're, they're going along with the flow or they want to they just people who are very social and they like going through the process but they're never intended to buy to begin with right they never you never got the, the sale right. that's why i always still whenever i build a team i rem- i built like a sales team once upon a time and i always tell them Sometimes they're just not your customer. Sometimes right. mm-hmm. they're just not your client. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. So even if they go through the full process, it doesn't mean anything. It can mean something to you, and that's why you're continuing going back at it. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to mean anything until he actually becomes official. Right. And official is once you actually do the point of no return, a.k.a. the point of sale. Yeah. But, yeah, there's times when um, – they they go through compliance instead of actually giving you commitment. So mm-hmm. and you and over time, once you start like paying attention to that difference, you're going to start reading in between the lines. Like, okay, of course. This person is not committed. He's just he's not giving me any commitment. He's not serious. Mm-hmm. He's just giving me compliance. And that's fine. You just basically um you know, you'll be complying with him too. It's just right, like, yeah, of man, course. of course, we'll follow up. Mm-hmm. Never follow up again. Or it's like, yeah, f- of course, man, we'll follow up once you actually are ready. Right. Get my information and stuff like that. And trust me, man, I'm always going to be here available, ready for you. Yeah, exactly. It's and just... then you just never proceed forward from there. You're yeah. not going to chase the individual. Because mm-hmm. yeah. you, like, when it comes to health insurance, in my opinion, as well with life insurance, because I believe in it, mm-hmm. or any type of insurance that is beneficial to your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I should not want this more than you. Right. That's my that's my motto and everything. Mm-hmm. So when I'm giving you health insurance or IDI or LTC, which is long-term care, mm-hmm. I should not want this plan more than you. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we need to remind ourselves. Right. Sometimes we get in the moment and like, okay, he looks interested. Mm-hmm. You're not telling the difference between commitment and compliance. Mm-hmm. He's, in, he's, he's, he's going through the process. Shit, he even signed. Right. You know, and, and it's like even going as far as signing something that normally means something if you actually pass the point of sale, but it's still before the point of sale. So it doesn't contractually do anything. It can easily be voided. Right. So he signed. That doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's just something that I've always noticed. And I know that um, personally speaking, uh, since it's a very competitive industry right of course it is yeah at the end of the day it becomes more about who you are and if mm-hmm. they like you trust you 100 percent. yeah i know one of the things i've been focused on more recently just you know personal branding you know trying to you know focus on you know being there as a person trying to be more relatable you know strong rapport and those kinds of things versus just telling them this is a b and c is the plan you know take it or leave it now i'm trying to you know 
be more personable and, you know, show them, you know, hey, I'm a real person. I have, you know, hobbies. I have a lifestyle. I have a, you know, a fiance that I'm going to need to support in the future with our family. And, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, this is how I'm one of the ways I'm doing that. So I need to, you know, I've been trying to stress, you know, you know, I'm not just some sleazy salesman on the phone. You know, I'm trying to, you know, genuinely help you make sure you're covered on your worst day of your life. I mean, of course. And and, and, and to be honest with you, some, again, some things are just not your customer. you got to click. Of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you guys are not clicking, because, I mean, I, I don't know, are you in the type of individual, are you the type of agent that once they, what's the word, they got on board, mm-hmm. are you their point of contact or is it also become an 800 number? No, so I am their point of contact. I'm their personal agent, you know, through and through the plan, you know. I'm the one who helps, you know, file, you know, any accident claims, any reports, things like that, make sure the insurance works properly and make sure different things get paid out to them, you know, upon whatever may happen. So, you know, I'm always a phone call or text away. That's what I tell them. And, you know, I really, I stay true to that. You know, I've had people call me and say like, hey, you know, I this, this, and this, you know, I need help with that. Of course, you know, let me help you out, make sure this gets, you know, worked properly. And, you know, I'm, you know, if I don't respond to a call, then they feel free to text me and I'll get back to them when I'm able to, you know. Okay. That's awesome. So that's my preferred ones. Mm-hmm. So I, I like of those. Seven. Yeah, because you can actually... I don't like the eight hundred number. I don't. I don't think anyone does. <laughs> nah. I mean, it does help out when you're a large company, but like when it comes to, I feel like, I mean, especially for entrepreneur, especially for business owners, they mm-hmm. don't want to go through an eight hundred number. Like if they need something mm-hmm. to get done. Same thing with the work side, right? You do uh, business solutions. Business solutions. Yeah, uh, like uh, employee benefits and stuff like that. Like you go to a business and oh, say, "Hey, yes. man." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, in my terminology, we call it worksite or business solutions. It mm-hmm. means the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, actually, it was called worksite before they start calling it business solutions. Gotcha. So that's what I, that's my terminology. Where mm-hmm. basically you go to an employer and you just like because that's what I used to do. I used to go mostly on business to business. Mm-hmm. So in, in regards to the insurance side, so, right? Mm-hmm. So it's. So you done that before, right? So are you still their point of contact, or they go through like a department specifically? So if I'm working with a full small business of anyone, I'm still there. Each client and each each of their family is still point of contact. You know, it you know the whole process of getting them all signed up. It does take you know more time because obviously it's a bigger you know than just you know one off mom and pop guy who doesn't have any insurance for him and their family, versus you know a smaller business of like you know let's say HVACers or electricians. You know, I'm still their personal point of contact. I'm there health insurance representative for their business. And then, you know, if anything happens, you know, I'm their first point. Okay. And that's just for the business owner or for the employees as well? And the employees as well. You know, I'm each of the, they each have my personal cell and my number. So if their plan's not working properly or something happens, they can always reach out to me. And then, you know, obviously, you know, if they, the, the boss is the same deal, you know, I can, I work with all of them. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Just wanted to double check because Mm -hmm. I know, I know some of them, they do like this hybrid of between like, I am your point of contact, but we also have different departments that can help you out mm-hmm. in, in case for whatever X, Y, and Z reason. Right. So, mm-hmm. okay. So, so you're at 1,000% of point of contact. So you're basically that one man duo in regards to their health services, mm-hmm. which is exactly. really cool. Uh, I, I, you're probably the first one that I met doing all of <laughs> Thank it. Thank you. No, mm-hmm. yeah, like 100%. Some of them is like, oh yeah, man. But also in my business solutions, we have... Um, something called X, Y, and C. Right. And that's mm-hmm. those are the ones who actually take care of it. Or like, mm-hmm. oh, I do business solutions, but in the residential side, it's different. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's a hybrid of both or some, like maybe it's more common than, I, than I've known, but yeah. And it was another industry inside that you would say, because now we understand more about the advances. Now we understand more about the plants and how it's mm-hmm. a misconception and most people don't really understand it, which if they get someone like you, they get the opportunity to have conversations as right. many times as they want so they can understand it. Mm-hmm. So, 
What's another key insight of the industry that you would not know? Like, what is something you didn't know until you started Step to become an agent? Right. So, you know, obviously someone who was just in school and stuff, I didn't know the first thing about health insurance until I really started with the role and, you know, learned a lot within my first months or two. And, you know, one key thing I would say that not is not very well known is that there are plans that are medically underwritten, which basically means for anyone that's very healthy, that doesn't have any major issues, they qualify for this plan, which gives them better benefits at a lower cost because they are very healthy, which means they're low risk to the insurance company. So that's why we're able to give them better benefits at a lower premium rate because, you know, they're low risk. Okay. That's true. Okay. You remember, yeah, under underwriters and stuff like that. I remember all of that. Mm -hmm. So now, since you've been doing this, what will be an advice you would give to your younger self? Now that you've been doing this for nine months, mm -hmm. if you can go back and tell Chad Nguyen or Chad Wynn, mm -hmm. that's how you pronounce it, right? right. Chad yeah. Wynn? Yeah. So when you look at Chad Wynn, what would you tell him? It's like, all right, man, you're going to this adventure. You're going to start it off. What would be your few advices that you would tell him? Oh, it's just uh, honestly just a work hard at it every day. You know, trust the people around you because they, they have the experience. They've been, been in the business. Look at their example and do exactly what they say. You know, don't reinvent the wheel. Just kind of put your own tread on it and just, you know, go full steam ahead because the opportunity is there to really grow and then have your own personal book of business. And then there, it's it's limitless, you know. As, as long as you put in the effort and the hard work, you know, good things will come. Okay. You said something that really, really sucked to my heart, not reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. By any chance that you tried to reinvent the wheel at least once in the business? Oh, you know, definitely there's always been those times like, oh, I can, I don't need to do what they say. I can, you know, do this and this to get, you know, generate some appointments and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you know, they're way more experienced than I am. So, you know, I had to go back to what they were telling me about this is, you know, the best way to effectively, you know, communicate the appointment. This is the best way to, you know, get them on the phone to look over the plan with you and everything and then help them out and then apply for the plan. Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, because the thing is... <laughs> I don't know why, but we all try. I, even I tried to reinvent the wheel, but I just wanted to know if you tried to reinvent the wheel, what would it be? Because both as an industry, both as an owner mm -hmm. and as the salesman, I both experience people always telling me if we do this and we do that, it's going to get bet a lot better. And mm -hmm. I'm like, dude, it's already working. Mm -hmm. We're doing well. Mm -hmm. We're meeting our metrics. So even if it's slightly better, like that slightly better you're realistically trying to reinvent the wheel. Right. You're trying to change the process. Mm -hmm. And if you try to change the process, is it slightly better, like realistically speaking, or just slightly better because it's slightly better for you, a.k.a. your comfort zone? Right. That's basically what I think it is most of the time. Whenever, whenever I see anybody trying to suggest, like, man, if we do it like this, this will be a lot better. That doesn't mean that it's, they're not a bad idea, but I'm actually wondering, like, okay, what do you mean by that? Is it better for... Because you have to think about everything as an experience, right? Right. So it's an, it was the experience better for the person being approached, a.k.a. the prospect? Mm -hmm. Is the person the experience a lot better for the person who's actually doing the prospecting, a.k.a. Yeah. us? Mm -hmm. Or is it better for the company or for the owner? Like, who? what is it better for? Right. Once you start to identify specifically whom, you're trying to, like, okay, so if it's better specifically for you, mm -hmm. not the business, not the prospect, I, I, I think we should continue back to exactly what works. Yeah, I would agree. You know, it's just, you know, there's no right or wrong way, but there is a proven way that it does work. And, you know, if you're unexperienced in, you know, whatever it may be, 
definitely just look to your mentors. You know, they've been through it. They've been new. They've been in the same shoes. And they've, you know, made it their own way. But they've also, you know, taken advice from someone else who was their mentor previously. And Mm -hmm. they stick to that. And I think, you know, why should you try to go and do your own thing if there's a proven track record of someone you trust? You know, just trust in how they do it and then the results will come. Okay. Now, question. Um, I kind of forgot exactly what I was going to ask you, but if I remember correctly, uh, you just got to keep working hard and stuff like that. Everybody's mm-hmm. was brand new and so on. Um, you know, I kind of forgot the question that I was going to go because I felt like I was going to twist you. I was going yeah. to give you a twist. When it was a hard one, mess. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. I remember now. What is your method of engagement? Because um, there's networking, right. cold calling, warm mm-hmm. calling. There's so many other different methods. What will be your preferred method? Like lead generation, you start calling them, uh, text messages. Yeah, so we have... There's not one way to you know develop appointments and things like that. We have a thing in our our office called you know this all the legs of the stool. So there's three stools. We have we have leads. We have you know developing you know networking referral partners those type of deal. And then we have social media. So you know I don't focus all on one. I know I'm better at one than the other, but I still try to hit all three legs of the stool to give myself the best opportunity to you know set appointments to you know get leads and to talk to you know get my in front of more people and talk to them. Okay, that's very yeah. Uh, the terminology that I've learned, so that's that's a new one for me because I learned the uh, the five the five name flow sources. Mm-hmm. So what are your five sources to find, identify, and find name flow? And name flow is getting X amount of minimum names per week. Mm-hmm. So in my instance, was fifteen. Mm-hmm. You have to get fifteen brand new names every single week and five presentations or an introductory meeting every single week. And in order to get those metrics, you need to have a name flow. And that name right. flow was doing five sources. And those five sources doesn't mean business. It doesn't mean networking. It could be your tennis. You're Wait, you're a professional something with tennis. You mentioned that before. What was the proper terminology? So I'm, I'm a private tennis coach. There you go. So mm-hmm. you being a private tennis to, uh, coach, have you? would you say mm-hmm. that you have gotten clients before to your business? So I have used it, you know, to be just, you know, Frank, you know, I use it as well as networking, as meeting more people. You know, I hit with different ad- adults in town, different, you know, professionals. You know, recently I hit with a, last week was a well-known, you know, realtor in town. You know, just, you know, first, you know, just having a conversation. He, I got, we got connected through another friend of ours and she, you know, said, hey, you know, this guy here, he wants to hit with a higher level of, you know, male. So I was like, okay, okay sure. You know, I didn't know who he was at first. <laughs> you know, I didn't know what he did. I just met him at some country club tennis courts and then we hit and it turns out he was a realtor in town. I was like, oh, very cool, you know. Love to just, you know, chat with you guys, you know, maybe down the road about insurance, but, you know, no pressure. Just us being, you know, we were just having some fun playing tennis for a good hour and a half and things like that. And then it turned out to, you know, a good networking opportunity. Okay, awesome. So if you think about it, so that's another name flow right there. So I remember I used to, well, point being is this, finding name flow. um, I mean, I met a lot of companies that try to just do strictly for business, like social media, networking events. But it can be also like your hobbies exactly like, mm-hmm. like i remember they start teaching us like you need to do some soul searching like oh yeah who are you what do you like if you there's a hobby that you want to get into you should probably join a facebook group or join a group where you can go to not only are you doing what you like and love but you're also having the opportunity to get in because opportunity is all about being present of course so i feel like i like the way that method i don't know if they teach you that as well in your agency but mm-hmm. i always love teaching people that you need to social, like, what do I realistically like? 
Mm-hmm. And if you haven't getting into it, get into it. Of course. Get into mm-hmm. groups, yeah. get into support areas, and you're going to get to meet people. But if you're a realtor or a businessman or a contractor or health insurance life, IDI, and so many other things, that will give you the opportunity to start making those contacts into warm. Of course. Because chances are that person that you met, if you call them, like, quote call, he's probably not going to answer. He's probably not going to give you the time of day. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But you met him through a passion of yours. Mm-hmm. You enjoyed it, so which is one of the five layers of name flow, and you got that name. Of course. You got mm-hmm. that conversation yeah. going. And whether he becomes your client or not, it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. normally that's now that's networking one-on-one where you identify the three layers of the connection, the right. first, second, and third degree connections. Yeah. The first degree is you met him, that's the first degree. Um, whoever friend he has that may be a YouTuber, right? You just mentioned realtor. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. YouTuber and a realtor, so maybe he can find you another person who's a realtor and a YouTuber at the same time, and that's your second degree connection. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, our big thing is, you know, Always, you know, you do someone good, you help them with policy, you know, you already have a good connection with them. You ask them, like, who else do you know? Is there someone in your same situation that maybe doesn't have the, you know, may, you know, have to go find their own insurance or just, you know, unsure, like, do you know anyone else who has their own business or something of that nature? So it's always about, you know, asking, you know, because if you don't ask, then you won't receive. Mm, okay. Yeah. Person, person for the situation, basically. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. you, also, you always got to ask anyways, though, because if you never ask. You'll never know. Not only that, it, even if you're having a conversation, we're talking about the topic. If you don't ask for business, they're not gonna give you business. Exactly. So, some, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and I've noticed that some of us are very shy and we're waiting for them to make the sale. Like we're talking about it, and you're hoping that he will say, "Well, sign me up." Right. It's not gonna happen. No. Mm-hmm. You gotta ask the question. So, Mister X, Y, and C, what do you say? Are you against the idea of getting into a cup of coffee meeting and let's just go ahead and get you to within a policy? Yeah. Or let's just start building a quote. How old are you? I already know your details. Let's just see what those numbers look like. Exactly. Because if you already have health insurance, that's great and all, but have you ever looked into like more caring plans or just out of the plan right. or something more custom to your niche or something that I learned as a finance professional, what if the plan changed? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Life changes dramatically. What if the plan has changed? That's what you have to do on your reviews. I don't know if you do any of your reviews. But um, that's what you do on your reviews. You want to mm-hmm. say, hey, man, what's going on? And update the plan. Maybe they got a child now. Exactly. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe the work plan has changed. You know, every year they have to renew. Maybe they switch to a different company and then the benefits change. And, you know, you may or not maybe be well Or maybe thinking protected. about, like, I got a company that is offering me health benefits and it's cheaper mm-hmm. through their work. But the thing is, I already know that work site or business solutions is dramatically different from the private side. Exactly. So chances are, yes, it is cheaper. Mm-hmm. But like you said, many people don't understand health insurance. They have this misconception, right? Right. So chances are they're going to get into a plan that they're not 100% sure about. Right. You know, and also don't be afraid of losing business. You just got to take that L. Exactly. So if the plan is better for them and that means they're no longer going to be your client, then so freaking be it. Yeah, that's fine. You know, it, I'm always saying, you know, if there's a better place out there, yeah, sure, go for it. You know, I don't want to, you know, be so tidy. You're like, oh, no, don't leave, please, nothing like that. You know, if there's a better plan out there and it's a better situation for you and your family, then go for it, you know, yeah, all by all means. Yeah, YOLO, literally, let it, let <laughs> it be. Yeah. No, legit, because the thing is, most of the time, you if you're willing to let them go, you never, you know, that little, it's, it's going to sound cringy, honestly, but like, como se dice, like, if she really loves you or something like that, let her go and she'll come back or something oh, yeah, like that. that. Yeah, some, those yeah, guys will exactly. come back. They'll come back. They <laughs> yeah. love you, bro. Like, you let them go, they'll come back. Exactly. Or they'll come back with a friend or two or four or five. Right, like, exactly. Like, and if they never come back, that means they were definitely got a good deal. And mm-hmm. sometimes you just mind it. We all mind our own business. We, right. I mean, bro, there's so much people out there in, in, into this world. Oh, yeah. There's so much opportunity. Um. What's his name? Uh, Howie Nestel. I don't know if I uh, I, I pronounce his name correctly. Mm-hmm. 
I suck at names. Okay. So he told me how he's being a marketer for 30 years. Okay. And how he was always the rainmaker and how he has made so much money and so on and so on. And he told me I have over 15,000 clients. And okay. I'm just like, wow. That's, that's a ridiculous point. number. Oh, yeah. But he told me, however, you talk a lot about world domination. That's me. I talk a lot about world domination. Well, you're about to find out soon. Okay. But I talk about it a lot. And 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 the quote is more like world domination down to your own definition. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I'm actually going to dominate the world. It just means don't be afraid to actually do it. Right, exactly. That's what it means. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that, like, you, am I expecting to actually dominate the world? No, not really. Mm-hmm. But am I afraid to do it? No, no I'm not. That's what it means. Mm-hmm. You just got to go all out. Right. So... He told me, like, well, Roham, I had over 15,000 clients, and that's less than 1% of the market. Right. And I'm just like, well, that's freaking stupid. Yeah, exactly. Because he tells me everything. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, yeah, but that's still just 1% of the market. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, damn, I mean, I I don't know what to tell you, bro. I never had 15,000 clients. But still, still, in my opinion, that's still a flex, you know, like a hardcore flex. That's definitely... That's definitely impressive in my opinion. So you are, and he talks about it so casually. I'm just like, dude, I'm gonna burn your car or something. Like, <laughs> get your fifteen thousand. I got fifteen thousand. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. You like your car? <laughs> <laughs> like so casually, but exactly, it's yeah. so much opportunity, anyways. Oh yeah. So, um, for those who are actually listening and they're actually interested in becoming a health insurance industry, like, there's competition. Oh yeah. No matter what. But there's just so much opportunity. Don't be afraid of it. It doesn't oh, yeah. matter. Because yeah. every I, every time I do a brand new adventure. So when I started this podcast, how are you going to compete against all this medium? Mm-hmm. I don't freaking know. I'm just going to do it. You're just going to do it. Yeah, and just all gas, no brakes. Again, know? like world elimination. Don't be afraid of doing it. Just Exactly. I, I don't know if I'm ever going to be the number one podcast, but I'm not afraid to get there. Yeah. Just you know, do it. Exactly. Whether I get there or not, well, we shall find out. I'm not a freaking wizard. Yeah, I wish I was though. That should be that would yeah. be so cool, bro. Yeah. Honestly, imagine everything just like it's a brand new car. Yeah, <laughs> just start <laughs> magic. Or yeah. turning uh, this table into gold and start selling it. Man, my retirement will look good. <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> oh yeah, just saying. But yeah, don't be afraid of it. And mm-hmm. have you ever got concerned with competition before? Like after everything that you've been in the industry, after all the challenges, and now that we know how you started, how you kept it, and what advice you would give yourself. I mean, what would you say about the competition? Well, I take it in a different lens because I go back to, I'm going to shout out my old coach at Andrew Corpus. He always told us back in the day, like, there's never pressure to win, but there's always pressure to give your best effort and give 110%. And even if you, at the end of the day, if you lose, then you know you gave everything and you may still end up with an L, but you can still be happy and pleased with the fact that, you know, you did your best at that time and that day. And if it, didn't, it wasn't meant to be, it wasn't meant to be, but at least you have no regrets because you gave it as much as you could. That's hard to say. Mm-hmm. That's hard to say. Yeah. Although, to give it your own to lose, I don't know. I'll take it personal. Yeah. A little personal, but yeah. yeah. I start looking at my enemy and be like, all right, bro, like, how? Right. Start learning what they do so they're fucking kick their ass at a oh, personal yeah, level. True. Yeah, yeah. You, you take it day by day, you know, and there's obviously you can learn from the loss and everything like that, but still, you know, you can tweak some things here and there, but still you can adjust your activities, do better, you know, the next time some situation like that comes around. Oh, yeah, 1,000%. Oh, yeah. Okay, and so you don't regret being in the industry whatsoever, right? You no. enjoy it as well? No, I think I've been blessed with the opportunity with the people I'm around, and I've been put in this position, you know, by God and all grace to him, and just, you know, I'm just very pleased, you know, where I'm at. But well, I would say I'm very thankful for him, but not pleased with where I'm at currently. I'm always striving for more. Okay, that's what to say. Okay, now, if you mentioned the... 
the way you mentioned it got me another got me sparking another different type of curiosity. Because I'm pretty sure there's some people who went through what you went through and they freaking hated, you know, mm-hmm. like freaking nope, not for me whatsoever. <laughs> so I'm wondering, is it the profession itself that you love the most and you appreciate the opportunity? Or is it the environment that you got into within that industry, aka your team? that you would say that is the reason why you love it and you're blessed to have this? I think it's both. I think without the support of the team mm-hmm. and the people there, I would have probably crashed out a lot, you know, crashed out already. But the the support from them and then their leadership and them being able to help no matter what, you know, I've had, you know, recently I had a leader, you know, she helped me on my sales call and helped me, you know, be able to just push that guy through, put him in an application, you know, and, you know, without her help, it might have been lost in the wayside. But, you know, she was there to support me and I was very grateful for that. And, you know, the opportunity is there to, you know, like I said, it's it's limitless. You know, there's no cap on our anything. And, you know, it can lead to more opportunities in the future, you know, cash flow wise. You know, eventually I want to get into, you know, investment real estate, you know, on a duplex or, you know, some quadplexes, different properties. And I know with, you know, the way that this structure and this organization is, you know, down the road, I, sh- I can get to that point. So it's just having that open mind and knowing, you know, having those goals. And, you know, this is the vehicle to get me there. I know. Yeah, I know. I want to do the same thing as you, getting a duplex or something like that, or get a, a, a couple properties and stuff. Oh, yeah. Because it's, it's uh, the rental income side. Some people want to do it just so they can have cash flow and extra. I want to do it as a retirement plan. Oh, yeah. No, just exactly. Because that's actually one of the few incomes that you can use as a way that as inflation goes up, so does that income. Exactly, yeah. Because, you know, rent is going to go up, unfortunately, and you still, you know, unfortunately, you know, except the escrow, but fortunately... Uh, the house does not be like, hey man, I know we have a mortgage of three hundred thousand, but because due to inflation, we're going to increase your mortgage to four hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Dude, if that's actually real, I'll be so pissed in life. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> I I'll, hope it never comes like that. I, I don't think it's gonna be like that. It will make no sense whatsoever. At that point, now I'm like, okay, thief, no robo. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. Like, but because of that aspect alone, I know that if I ever do, if I ever have a portfolio, which I normally I used to recommend these people. If you want to have a real estate portfolio, mm-hmm. not as a business, not as a side hustle, but as a way to retire and just have that additional income and build equity and so on and so on, because you can use that equity to make equity loans or use collateral, and you can do different opportunities with it. Mm-hmm. Having eight is a good number, because with eight you can actually com- uh, comfortably retire, oh, yeah. and you can get one brand new property every twelve months once you get your first. Oh yeah. So that means that within a, a span of 10 years, let's just assume a few hiccups or whatever reason, mm-hmm. you can have your re, your rental income retirement portfolio that by the time you're 65 to 67, chances are it's going to make you a six-figure income. Mm-hmm. And not because um, it's going to make you rich and now you're so comfortable, you got a brand new BMW. That is the money that you can use towards your retirement as supplemental. Course. Besides the 401ks and stuff like that, because mm-hmm. they do work. 401ks do work. If they're not oh, yeah. working for you, that's because you're not doing it right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That means you're not you're not roll, rolling them over. Mm-hmm. You need to roll them over. Oh, yeah. And that also means that you're not doing the contribution that you should be doing. So either get with your financial advisor or find one. Right. Exactly. It doesn't mean that you have to buy anything. It just means that you should at least know that if you left multiple jobs and you left a 401k or you left some money mm-hmm. and you have not rolled them over, you're not doing the 401k properly. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people doing it the right things. You'll be surprised how many of them actually are doing the right things, but some of them they think it's a scam, mm-hmm. and it's not a scam. Yeah. It's the same thing with health insurance. When you don't understand it and it doesn't benefit you directly, you see it as a scam. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Of course you see it as a scam. You have no idea what the heck it is. Oh, yeah. 
you know? Mm-hmm. But if you understand it, just like you understand it, do you think health insurance is a scam? You I think about yeah, it. People, you know, at the end of the day, I tell people, like, if I'm being honest, you know, I say this, you know, health insurance, it is kind of like a scam. You know, you're paying someone in the company a you know, month to month, and you're if you're never going to use it, it seems like you're just giving your money away. But at the end of the day, it's there to cover you, cover your butt for, you know, an accident that you, you don't know if you're going to get T-boned at the red light, or you don't know you get a chronic illness down the line, and that's where it's there to protect you. Yeah, if it, well, uh, well, the way I got thought about health insurance was the when insurance, because you will get yeah. sick. It's, yeah, it's for the what ifs. Yeah, well, not much on the if. There is an if factor, but realistically, when it comes to our health, there's always a when. Right. Because you will, like, okay, bro, I think everybody can relate to this. Mm-hmm. Check this out. Either you're going to die after you turn 67 mm-hmm. or 65, right? you know, either illness, age, accident, whatever the heck it was, right? Mm-hmm. Or you're going to die before you turn 65. Right. Do you think everybody relates to that fact? Of course. Okay. Now, when you die between the 0 to 65 and after 65, you know what they all have in common? Your health. Mm-hmm. If you get into a car accident, you're going to need to go to the hospital. If right. you're sick to the point of critical illness, you're going to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So everybody will funnel to the hospital when it comes to that passing, unless... You went to combat, and unfortunately, you got shot in the head, and you know, lights out. But, right. anyways, for most instances, that's exactly what's gonna happen. Either mm-hmm. before you're 65 or after you're 65. Right. And where are you gonna be when that happens? You're gonna be a yeah. medical. Yeah, exactly. So that's why you always believe that health insurance is the when, not the if. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, there's the if factor. Right. But it's not the same thing as life insurance. When you're doing term insurance, there's mm-hmm. the if and the when. When you're doing the term insurance, which is temporary, mm-hmm. you do a 10-year pay. That means that within 10 years, the premiums are not going to change. Mm-hmm. So when you do it like that, then that's the if. If you die between these 10 years, that's going to be the payout. Right. The when, aka the permanent protection, let's just say you do a 20, a 20 pay, meaning that you'll pay for 20 years, and then you own it permanently, now it becomes a when. Mm-hmm. Because you will die eventually. Oh, yeah. Which just sucks, you know? I wish it's just a sad reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I wish immortality was real. That would be really cool. Not because I want to live forever. I just want to see the world progress. Exactly. That'd be so awesome. So mm-hmm. if I if I pass away and I get to spectate like a little weirdo, <laughs> I would love it, you know, just to see. Because there's so much cool technology. We're exactly. So All the evolution and the other. Uh, I want to see us actually colonizing Mars. I want to see us somehow conquer the sun. I don't freaking know. But that would be cool <laughs> to see. Yeah. I'm just saying. It would be really cool to see. It would, yeah, definitely. So... Uh, that being said, that sole fact. Now, you know what I see as a scam? What? Now, this is controversial. It's going to be a topic. Okay. Car insurance. Mm-hmm. I think car insurance is a scam. Mm-hmm. You think so? Why do I you do? say that? Because, and I think it's maybe I'm just salty with life. Okay. But car insurance has never been beneficial to me. I see. Mm-hmm. Because think about it like this. You are paying to get covered. Right. And when something does happen, the point is risk of aversion, meaning that is to restore you back to your original financial standing. Mm-hmm. But if you look through the entire process, you have not returned. You're, if anything, you're just losing money just so you can keep the car. Right. And sometimes it's it's, it's just stupid. Like, I'll give you an example. Um, my sister, she crashed her Mitsubishi. It was okay. the SUV version. I don't remember. The Outlander, I think that's what it's called. The okay. Mitsubishi Outlander. Mm-hmm. So... The car, I think it was eighteen thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars. It okay. was a, it was brand new, so twenty eighteen Mitsubishi Outlander. It okay. was beautiful. It was nice, whatever. And uh, como te digo, like when she, my dad has been paying Geico 
for around 18 years. Okay. And I'm not talking about specifically two guys. I'm talking about the in- induced. So if he goes all state or whatever the freaking heck it was, it would have been the same instance. Yeah. If you would have done the math, my dad has basically paid around $80,000 worth of insurance. Wow. Mm-hmm. So $80,000. So that means that if I would have never gotten insurance and saved that money as a uh, vehicle reparation account or if I had the if, or, you know, like a savings, mm-hmm. he would have put those $80,000 in savings. Mm-hmm. My sister got into a car crash and she would have either pay off the car and get a new one mm-hmm. or just repair the car. Mm-hmm. Right. They totaled the car. Even right. though the car was repairable, they say it was totaled. Yeah. So my sister, fortunately, Geico decided to pay the equity of the vehicle. Okay. And therefore, my sister had positive equity, and she was able to get out of the car. Okay. That's awesome. Beautiful. Right. You know what they did? They increased his rates almost double. Oh, wow. And I get it. It's because you got into a car accident, this and that, and supposedly now there's risk or whatever the heck and other technicalities. Right. But, dude, if I'm paying you for you to insure me, it doesn't mean to increase my rates. Oh, it's because you're a car accident. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah. That's why I pay you. Exactly. I'm yeah, paying you because yeah. if I get into a car accident, you're going to basically make sure that you put me back to my original financial standing. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm paying you. Right. So when I'm paying you and I make a claim on what I'm paying you about and you increase my insurance because I made a claim about what I'm paying you about, that's the thing that doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like if if you had to pay a deductible. Right. And it doesn't increase your insurance rates. That's beautiful because that's exactly what I'm paying you for. Exactly. Yeah. So I remember me and my dad, even myself, we got we got into an argument. We just left him, but we were just like, "Hey, it's like, yeah, it's because your car, it, bro. That's exactly what I'm paying you for. Right. I'm paying you for in the instance that I get into a car accident. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So that's the thing. So you. So what I basically saw was also oh, you just want your money back. Mm-hmm. You made a payout. You made $80,000 profit. Right. Mm-hmm. Profit, because there was no claim whatsoever. Yeah. And then we made a claim. You lost $18,000 and you doubled the rate almost $800 wow. a month for insurance on the mm-hmm. if, not a when, because there's a difference. On the health insurance side, it's a when. Right. Yes, there's an if factor. Right. But it's a when. Right. On the cars, it's literally an if. Yeah, very true. One, it's one like whether you have it for 20, 40, 60 years, this car is an F no matter what. Mm-hmm. It's not a win because as long as nobody hits you, it will never be a win. But if you do get hit, that was the F, that was the accident, right? That's why I think they're 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 a scam, yeah. No, I like, didn't see they increase your rates on what you're paying them for, right? That's the part that annoys me the most, yeah. And it comes to the point that sometimes I probably should not be admitting this over the mic, um, but it probably comes to the point that I go to a local Mexican shop. Okay. They sell insurance, mm-hmm. and I told him, "Man, I want you to give me insurance, but don't even bother giving me a number. Don't even bother giving me a service number because I'm not gonna call you." Yeah. Like I only do it netapa, like legit. Yeah. For the paperwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. For the state. Yeah. Which I believe that, in my opinion, capital products. You know, like, products should not be by law. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you should get health insurance by law, and I don't think you should get car insurance by law. Mm-hmm. Because where there's, they already know they're going to get business because it's the law. Right. There's no innovation. There's no competitive competition. Life insurance is not a law. So if you get into the life insurance game, you're going to see so many different concepts, so many different solutions, hybrids, innovations. You know why you see all those innovations? 
because they have to be competitive. Right. Because people don't have to get it. Right. Why would I get something on the if side or the win side? Like, Mm -hmm. why would I get it? So you need to be creative. When was the last time you saw a car insurance policy getting creative? It feels like it's been the same for years. It's been the same for they don't need to because they're gonna get business no matter what. Right. You get messed up, we're gonna pay it. Well, guess what? Because you got into a car accident, we're going to increase your rates. Right. That's why I think it's a scam. That's why I don't think it should be a law. That's why I don't think any like life insurance, I believe it like like a passion. Mm -hmm. You know? Some people don't, whatever. It's to each its own. Right. But I don't think life insurance should be a law. And I don't think health insurance should be a law. Oh, the millions of lives that can be saved. Really? Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. It's not. You're making it worse. Right. So, oh, the same thing, like, oh, it's because if he doesn't get insurance, the car insurance policy will not pay it or will not insure you. We'll tell you what. If you make it a law, mm-hmm. obviously they're going to give you those turnarounds. Mm-hmm. But if of it's course. no longer a law, and you say, "Oh, well, he didn't have car insurance, so we're not gonna we're not gonna cover you." What do you think you're gonna do as a customer? You leave then. You're leaving. Mm-hmm. So, do you think they will eventually get their head out of their, you know what, and you know, be like, "Okay, okay, okay, we're gonna insure you," because they don't want to lose their customers. Of course, yeah. Like, like literally, you need to force them for innovation. They're, they they get comfortable. I mean, Geico no, has really the do. stadium. Mm-hmm. They have this, and great success to them. No hate to Geico. They're awesome. At the end of the day, because they they have they have their stories where they have helped a lot of people. Of course, but mm-hmm. I still think that car insurance to the core it, it is indeed a scam, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, all my cars, I've always repaired them. Yeah, yeah. You have that background definitely with your father. You know, just you know working with your own two hands to make sure you know things get you know fixed and settled it's, depending on the situation. It's just cheaper in general, dude. Like mm-hmm. li- like realistically speaking, for example, I remember. Um, when I had the Kia, I, had a, I used to have a Kia. You know those things on TikTok when um, they find a way how to basically bypass the, oh, security, yeah, the security, yeah. security mechanism. Yeah, was, the yeah, yeah, they stole my car. So, anyways, oh, no. yes, yes. So yeah, two, a, you've had two cars that's been stolen. Yes, oh, in my entire life. Yes, in Gateway, Kentucky, I got the Scion, mm-hmm. and then here in Texas, I got the Kia. Yeah. So Started I remember here. when they broke the back of my window, mm-hmm. the rear driver's side. They broke it. They came to the front. The steering wheel, the plastic around it, completely destroyed. Uh-huh. And they destroyed the key. Where you, where you import the key. for yeah, the ignition, yeah. Yeah, they freaking destroyed it. You can really? tell they really oh, no. forced it. Yeah. And then the, what's the whatchamacallit, that thing, the, what do you call it in English? As the, the handbrake or the, the gear shift? The gear shift. There you yeah. go. Messed it up completely. Oh, gosh. But the thing is, when you do a cost analysis, Mm-hmm. It was cheaper for me to repair it than yeah. to call my insurance company, mm-hmm. where they're going to charge me a $500 deductible, mm-hmm. and they're going to increase my insurance. Yeah. So, paquete tengo? Why do I have you? Right. You know? I, no, I can't rely on them whatsoever. Yeah. So, I, I had to basically make my own repairs. Mm-hmm. It came to the point that I was pissed. I was like, dude, it actually is more convenient if they succeeded to steal my car, where the car insurance, where the insurance would have paid out the value, and I would have gotten out of the car and just get a brand new one. Right. So it was just cheaper for me. It was legit. I was literally telling my friends, and I was laughing about it, bro. It's actually more convenient if they succeeded. Yeah, and they stole the car completely. Exactly. Would it would have been yeah. successful. Like they would have been more. Like the insurance would have actually been convenient mm-hmm. to just steal the car. 
Oh yeah, that, that would be more convenient to me. And instead of being stuck repairing, I cannot call them. Yeah, they're not gonna, they're not gonna, they're not gonna be reliable in this situation. No, it's gonna so take I can't call a, them. Yeah, forever to do as well. Mm-hmm. So it was more convenient. So I, I told everybody it's a joke, <laughs> but realistically speaking, I was serious. I was like, dude, if I can go back in time and show them how to do it, you would have let them. I would have let them. Like, hey, 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 bro, look, look at this, look at this. I just would have given them the keys. Yeah, fucking take it. You know. Yeah. He was like, oh, they took the keys? Yes, man, definitely took the keys. You should have seen <laughs> it. They beat, my, they beat me up. Like, I'll literally be like that. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, so here's my face. Yeah. Right here. Mm-hmm. Make it noticeable. I'm going to call the cops. I'm going to be the victim. Yeah. That would have been far more convenient. I know, technically speaking, that's insurance, fraud, and whatever. But that's right. the part that sucks. It would have been better if they actually succeeded. Of course, yeah. So, I mean, well, with health insurance, I mean... It's in my opinion, it has done more good than bad. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. It, there's some families that go through some bad stuff, but I don't think it's the insurance itself. I just think it's about the health industry and yeah. the hospital. Mm-hmm. But that's a different topic. We're not ready for that. You right. Know? <laughs> yeah, it's a bigger. It's a whole different animal. Yeah, that's a whole different animal because I know that most of the time when we see the deductibles, people get mad like, "Oh, I gotta get paid nine thousand dollars in deductible before you insure me." Mm-hmm. But realistically, that's where you come in. Like, that's where you click like what you're trying to explain. Like, you got to go a certain portion of it because right, they're not going to cover everything. No, of course not. Yeah. There's also, you know, you know, there is the ways you have to go there. But there's also, you know, just things I work with specifically. There are, you know, zero deductible plans. And there's a lot of plans that have a standard deductible, a traditional one. But there's also, you know, pre-deductible benefits for those routine things. So you don't have to meet it for those smaller things like the annual checkups, you know, prescription, you know, help, you know, doctor's visits, sick visits, those kinds of things. You know, there are options out there for, you know, pre-deductible items in place so you don't ever have to meet those deductibles for the, for, you know, for the insurance to work at all. Yeah, no, 1,000%. And, I mean, I'm pretty sure that um, I think more people should have more opportunity because I remember the health insurance as the PMO, right, Brian? PPO, yeah. Yeah. I don't know the terminologies. Right. Yeah. So... I know with the health insurance, there's more into it. Like there's the bigger, like the bigger network and smaller networks. Honestly, I'm just gonna tell them that if they wanna know more, they should definitely reach out to a health specialist. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people don't want, like, oh, I'm not ready to buy. Like, okay, just because you're they're talking to you, it doesn't mean that the sale is automatic. Right. No, like it's not. all about suitability. Like if they want to do business with you, do business with me. Right. Just don't be compliant. I want to know if there's commitment or not. Trust me, you're not going to offend anybody by saying like, hey, man. Um, they're gonna say like, "Oh, I'm just looking," you know, just to be clear. Mm-hmm. Just say like, "Hey, I'm not budget ready, mm-hmm. but I do want to know." Right. That's what I normally be say. transparent. Yeah. Be super transparent because obviously some health specialist and insurance agent, like agents in general, are gonna find a, a, a where where they can help you. Mm-hmm. And if you can afford it, and you can do it. Then why not? Right. Of course. So, but if you say like it's not within my budget at the moment, then I'm like, okay, bro. You think three months from now maybe it will be? Like, yeah. Okay, cool. There you go. Now you have this specialist who's going to tell you everything without him expecting anything from, like, in, like without expecting a sale, like, right this. Exactly. You know, like, you know that expectation is already there. You know, it's already open air. Yeah, and build then, the expectation. Because that, that's why I know, well, I personally force the, the client to tell me, like, all right, man, like, let's be honest here. We're going to talk about retirement, for example. I always tell people I should not care about this more than you. Mm-hmm. And I learned that from my mentor, um, Lara. So I actually learned that from her. She was the one who taught me how to be a, a professional in finance and so on and so mm-hmm. on. And just to in the industry, if anything, she's a partner now. So just being a partner, but she's doing very well. And she told me that I should not care about this more than you. 
you know? Mm-hmm. I agree. And when she said that to me once, I remember that it got stuck with me, and I've been doing that to everybody ever since. So I'm like, hey, you know, health insurance, X, Y, and Z. Yes or no? They told me the truth. It's like, oh, well, X, Y, and Z. Like, no, it's just told me the truth. Yeah. I should not care about this more than you because mm-hmm. I'm going to be fine. Oh, I'm yeah. rolling, bro. I'm mm-hmm. freaking waking up beautiful, hair is just great every single day. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm good to go. My question is, are you good to go? Exactly. Because that's what I'm here for. Yeah, exactly. You're there to help, you know, and then if they're not ready, they're not ready. But just, you know, be straight up about it. No, 1,000%. Don't, don't keep us wondering, you know? No, that's annoying, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. It's like, just please tell me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And trust me, bro. Like, you're not going to hurt my feelings. You know what's going to hurt my feelings? You being compliant, thinking that I got the sale, and then out of nowhere, you freaking ghosted me. Exactly. What did I do? Yeah. I, I, thought we, I thought we built a relationship. Oh, yeah. 100%. I thought that we were on the same page. Mm-hmm. But apparently we were both reading a different book. Exactly. So yeah. it's like. And there's always going to be people like that, you know, but, you know, we just try to weed those out and, you know, do the best we can on the front end to make sure that, you know, yeah. the expectation is there and we know, you know, what the purpose of this meeting was in this conversation. Oh, sometimes I teach them about the difference between compliance and commitment. Oh, it's yeah. like, you know, how, what, do you, what do you do for a living? Some of them are salesmen. And I told them, it's like, you know, there's compliance and commitment. Have you ever gone that? Yeah. And I go straight. Like once you teach them the concept, I'm like, okay, man, now. Are you be compliant or are you giving me commitment? And you can see that face of like, like you just call them out. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and But the thing is, when I told them that, I'm trying to give what is called a preemptive strike. A preemptive strike is basically like you're like showing a concept or talking about something. And then when you attack them, you're not trying to really attack with a knife. Uh-huh. You're just trying to like go towards that direction. Right. And it's a preemptive strike. It's supposed to be like a softer way of calling someone out in a way that you can go more straight to the point yeah. without offending the individual. Exactly. So when I say something like that, they're like, I'm going to be honest with you, Chief. I'm just being compliant. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, all right, bro. I mean, we'll continue. We'll, and we continue the conversation, but at that point, I no longer care about the sale, which realistically speaking, you should never care. You should focus on the presentation and the sale will come. Yes. So, but at that point, I wouldn't even ask for a follow-up meeting. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, man, if you ever need to talk about it, if you want to you want to learn more and AKA be compliant, because I'm not going to say AKA be compliant, but if you want to learn more, here's my number. You got mm-hmm. everything. Let's do this. Right, exactly. Here's my calendar. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, I just know there's compliance. But if I know there's commitment, I just like, okay, man. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon. So I start scheduling the follow-up because I know there's commitment. Oh, yeah. But once I know there's, there's compliance, just be like, hey, man, here's my calendar. Let's talk whenever you're ready. Yep, exactly. You just got to do it like that yeah, sometimes. It's real open-ended at that point. Yeah, well, sometimes they do come back because you – sometimes the good thing about compliant people, if you approach them correctly, they will come back. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Like, they will come back. Yeah, those are the people you don't – if you push too much, then, then you're going to lose them. It's just that they're going to feel like they cannot come back to you. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. I know uh, I know some of them feel like they played you or they feel like they learned from you, but they feel like, like they cannot come back to you. Right. Because maybe you believe there was some type of commitment and you basically did what we call chasing the squirrel. Mm-hmm. And obviously what happens to the squirrel? The squirrel goes to the tree and never to be seen again. Mm-hmm. Right. It's going to go home. You, oh, yeah. You're never going to see the squirrel again. Yeah. yeah. If you see a squirrel, it's probably a different squirrel. Yeah, exactly. That's normally how it goes. Mm-hmm. So you never see it it, twice. that's why you don't chase the squirrel. Yeah. Don't, don't chase it because if you chase it, you're not going to see it. Oh, yeah. That's something that we need to pay attention to, especially if we assume there is commitment and we don't understand that it's just compliance. You're chasing the squirrel. Oh, yeah. And even though the squirrel will need your services, the squirrel will not be willing to come back to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 
But other than that, Chad, I appreciate so much coming for the podcast. And we're almost to the end of the recording. We're almost end of the episode. And all I can say is this. Anything that you want to promote or shout out for the last 30 seconds? Anything at all? Yeah, well, just appreciate you having me on the podcast. It's been a great time. You know, my first experience, I've been just very blessed and fortunate that you reached out to me. So thank you for that. And then, you know, me, you know, I'm Chad, the insurance lad. If you guys ever have any questions about health insurance in general, just feel free to reach out. And I'd love to just look at some plans with you, see if you're in the right place for yourself. Okay, awesome, man. I appreciate it. So other than that, guys, um, I'm going to go ahead. If you guys want to get in contact with Chad on this episode, there's going to be a link where he's going to have his uh, digital business card. And as well, a calendar link or if you want to schedule yourself as a free consultation. Remember, guys, just when, when you have a conversation with someone like Chad, it doesn't mean that you're buying. Mm-hmm. And we understand that and we know that. Trust me, we do. Mm-hmm. It just means that you want to spark the conversation. And realistically, all we care about is the moment you're ready, come back to us. Or if there's someone that you can click on relationship-wise, mm-hmm. because remember, he's going to be your point of contact, your agent, then that's understandable as well. That's why I never get mad if anybody ever gets a client because, you know, that happens to me sometimes. And when I see it, it's like, oh, they they click better. Right. Relationship-wise, it was just better. And if I am going to be your financial advisor or your financial professional, and in your case, you're going to be their health insurance specialist, then you want someone that you can have a conversation with and talk to. Oh, yeah. So trust me, we're not going to take it personal because the competition is there, but the competition realistically is who do I can click on? Because mm-hmm. we are all cool. We are all professionals. The knowledge is there. We are all licensed. The difference is, like, do we click? Mm-hmm. So exactly. go ahead and reach him out um, and stuff like that because trust me, he's a workaholic. I've seen his <laughs> activities. So he's definitely he's definitely going to be he's definitely going to be active with you, promise you. But other than that, guys, thank you so much for listening to Born to Hustle podcast, uh, where we basically find out more about what ignited the hustle, what kept them in the hustle, and basically what advice they would give themselves to the younger selves. Mm-hmm. You guys have a good day, and other than that, see you next time. Thank you, everyone. Take care. Hoorah.